Blog Talk Radio. March 2nd, 2018 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. And here we discuss news, politics, and culture from an individualist perspective. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, a little bit frazzled because I was trying to get onto Zoom. And for whatever reason, I could not even log on to Zoom. So I'm a little bit frustrated because I thought, okay, Zoom is it. This is the platform I want to go with. And in fact, the Mevo camera, which if you're on Facebook, you can see me on the Mevo camera right now. That camera, I had folded it up and put it away in a box in the drawer and everything. So 15 minutes before showtime, I'm running around and set this whole thing up again. And um, you're peering at me over a cup of coffee. So I, I might actually want to adjust the height of this thing. I'm I'm contemplating it. Let me see. Hmm. But if there's something else I can put it on top of. One second. Okay, how about this? What if? I don't want to give you guys motion sickness here. Okay. Okay, you guys on Facebook, tell me if that's better. You're still looking at me over a cup of coffee. I'm really sorry. Thank you for the people who donate to the Better Coffee Fund. I'm going to be reaching and maybe sipping this throughout the course. Anyway, if you go over to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, you see the title of today's show. And the title of today's show is really the thing that I have to contribute today, which is an analogy between Trump's policy on trade that he's been tweeting out to the world and affirmative action. Yes, affirmative action in hiring and college admissions and everything else. What I'm saying is that what Trump is calling for in trade, some people think he's bluffing, but I think, you know, he's he's calling for some of this, at least in trade. What he's calling for in trade amounts to affirmative action. It's the same exact issue. And so if you're going to defend Trump's trade policy, I'm going to call on you and say, do you also defend affirmative action in hiring and college admissions in everything else. If you want to talk about this or other things that I've got on the program notes, again, you can find the program notes over at the blog at don'tletitgo.com, the title of the show, which I didn't say, I'm just telling you the analogy, but the title is Trump calls for affirmative action in trade. Trump calls for affirmative action in trade. I've got a set of program notes there. The program notes are generally just the tweets and my responses to the tweets and they're placed in such an order that I'm hoping that they will allow me to present my thoughts on this in a an organized way. If you want to chime in, the way to do so is apparently right now all I've got is I've got the chat 
over on Facebook, um, you know, comments and everything. And I'm hoping that I can see any comments. Has anyone left a comment over there? I see that the video is up, but I don't see a comment yet. So if you want to try some comments over there. Also at Blog Talk, I am trying to launch the chat window and have been unsuccessful in doing so, so far. I don't know if it's because something needs to update maybe in Adobe. No, that's Adobe Reader. It's not Adobe Flash. It should open. It looks like it should open, and then it just keeps spinning and doing weird things. So I'm not able to get – oh, wait. No, it's not doing it. It's not doing it. I'm trying to open the chat window over at Blog Talk. At Blog Talk, you can call in and talk to me, 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760 760- Eight 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 five eight one seven. I see two people who are on the line with the little question icon. They've pressed one and they've told me that they want to ask a question or make a comment of some kind. And I will definitely get on with you after I just give you the basic scenario of what's going on, you know, what it is that Trump is calling for. Trump tweeted out, I believe this was yesterday, he says, this, I'm going to the, the tweet over on Twitter. He says, our steel and aluminum industries and many others have been decimated by decades of unfair trade and bad policy with countries around the world. We must not let our country, companies, and workers be taken advantage of any longer. We want free, fair, and smart trade. Fair and smart trade. And what he means by this, as you can see, if you go, for instance, to a New York Times article, there was an article that explained that what he wants to do, at least with respect to steel and aluminum, is effective very soon. I forget it was a short time window. They wanted He wanted to put 25% on steel, and I think it was 10% on aluminum. That was what he wanted to do, and that was going to be an import tax. So if you import it, from anywhere. And he says, you know, no country can be accepted or anything because you don't want to have each of them trying to uh, vie for favors. Any country. So any country, ally, China, doesn't matter. We don't get much steel from China. Apparently, I'm getting a little education here. We get most of our steel from Canada and Mexico. But any steel, 25%, just almost immediately. No time to adjust. I mean, people are just caught in the lurch and suddenly what? They're going to adjust all of the prices on their finished goods because suddenly steel is going to cost them 25% more, 10% for aluminum if, if they import it. This is what he's doing. And my response, you know, initially was just, you know, what do you mean by free trade in effect? I say, if you understood what free meant, what free trade is, why it's both moral and necessary for human life, you would consider the last two parts of your tweet, fair and smart, you would consider those to be redundant. The only free, you know, the only fair and smart trade is free trade, in effect. Um, Now, I've got getting in some comments over at the Don't Let It Go page on Facebook. Yeah, Jay says, tariffs, how dare you slap yourself? I'll show you. I'll slap myself. Um, Yeah, we're going to get into this. You know, what is it that he is promising or threatening or, you know, as a negotiating point, as a start negotiation, what is it that he's actually trying to do? He is asking for Americans to pay an extra tax to import things that they were importing before 
fairly cheaply. Why, you know, why, why import something? Importing something is kind of a hassle, right? You import it because it's that much cheaper. So this is what he wants to do. And he wants to do it. Why? Because our steel and aluminum industries are decimated. That was the first of the tweets. And then later, when I was thinking about this, you know, I was like, well, what is it that he is doing? He's doing this because he wants to help, supposedly, the steel and aluminum industries. The steel and aluminum industries in particular have suffered because that we have been importing more steel. We've, you know, all the companies here who use steel have found it more economical to import steel and aluminum. And he wants to make it so that more steel and aluminum is made here in United States. He doesn't say exactly what reason why, but he wants to help these industries. And so it occurred to me what he's basically calling for. This is the analogy, and we'll explore the analogy in a bit. But he's calling for essentially affirmative action in trade. And that was then my second response to that same tweet. You know, essentially that's what he's asking for, affirmative action in trade. And you know, as I said, we'll explore the analogy. But before we do that, and you can tell me whether you think the analogy is a good one or a bad one. I've had some discussions on Twitter about it. Uh, before we do that, just you know, keep in mind what he's calling for and what it is in effect. It is what Jay said over here in the comments on the on the Facebook page. He is calling for us you know, or we, the royal we, as some people might say or whatever, ca calling for us to slap ourselves, to hurt ourselves in order to help certain industries. Um, now, some people say, well, we're only doing it in retaliation because other countries, they smack, you know, tariffs on top of our goods when they're importing our goods. And so isn't it just fair that we do the same thing, that we go ahead and slap a big tariff on imports from them? That's all we're doing. But what are we doing? And let's break it down, right? We are hurting ourselves. We're only hurting ourselves. So, you know, take a hypothetical good. We'll just call widgets, you know, suppose we import I don't know what it, we'll just say, we'll just say, uh, what do we import from China that's really cheap? There's all kinds of things that we import from China that are really cheap. There's tools that you buy, say, at Home Depot. I was at Home Depot the other day. So tools that you buy at Home Depot, there's a bunch of them that are made in China. They are super cheap. I've heard people talk about particular tools at Home Depot, and they say that if you bought it anyplace else, the same tool would be, you know, three times the price or something. So get this uh, tool coming in from China. And suppose that China, when we try to export things to them, suppose they slap a huge tariff on it, 30% or something. Suppose they do that. I think Donald Trump said that sometimes some of these countries slap a 50% tariff on goods imported from our country. Suppose they do that, right? And then for us, suppose we don't put a big tariff on it. We get these cheap goods. And what Donald Trump wants to do in retaliation for the tariffs that China slaps on us is he wants to add 25%, say, to the cost of these tools that we import. So that means you and I, we go to the store, we pay 25% more. Where does this tariff go, by the way, when we pay the 25% more? It goes into Trump's coffer to help build the wall, maybe? I don't know. Where is it going? I don't know where it's going. So there's that, too. But here we are, so we're going to pay 25% more, 50% more, whatever it is, 
for our tool at Home Depot now. And that gives us, as Americans, less money to spend on other things that we otherwise would, right? So as it stands currently, before Trump comes in and slaps extra tariffs on things, we're getting things relatively cheaply. And we have extra money that's freed up that we can spend on other things. And this is nothing but good. And his idea is, oh, well, let's just go ahead and slap some tariffs on there. Just, you know, add an extra 25, 50% on. That'll show China. And no, what it's really going to do is it is like Jay and other people are saying here. Uh, John in the Facebook comments is saying it's mutual masochism. He says the mutual masochism of modern mercantilism. And that's, that's what it is. It's like, oh, well, you're hurting your people in your country through your trade policies because you're making the American goods that much more expensive for them to import. Well, we'll show you. We'll make our American people suffer as well. And then you answer to me, well, I mean, the, the steel and the aluminum industries, aren't they going to do better because of this policy, right? We're going to revive them because now we're not going to import as much steel or aluminum or whatever it is from other countries. Um, first of all, is that really going to help them in the long run? Suppose you know, okay, well, the only reason that the steel and aluminum industries in our country can thrive at a certain level of production is because of huge tariffs that protect them from competition with other countries. That is not a sustainable way. Again, they, those people in those very industries, maybe in the short term, you think they're going to do okay, but in the long term, they are going to suffer. They are going to um, experience all the higher prices and all the inefficiencies because of this tariff that is being skimmed off the American people, put into Lord knows what slush fund and everything else. I don't know what he's going to do with it. If, if it's government spending, it's probably going to do something bad that's going to result in inefficiency someplace else. If he builds the wall, that's certainly going to be the case. So it's not actually going to help them. What would be the proper answer if Indeed, it is the fact that the steel industries and the aluminum industries are failing, right? It is to have those people shift their productive ability to other industries where we, to use the economic term, we in the United States have a comparative advantage. That is one solution. Now, this is if you say, okay, you know, the reason that our steel and our aluminum industries are failing are because we just aren't as good. Maybe it's harder to extract the natural resources required to produce steel and aluminum here. But there may be some other things that Trump could do to help the steel and aluminum industries. And I put help in scare quotes because the things that I'm thinking of involve uh, removing regulations of various kinds from those industries. So suppose it's unionized labor. So why don't we get the grip of the unions off of these industries so that they can operate more efficiently and cheaply and competitively? What if there's other sorts of regulations, OSHA-type regulations and stuff that you can um, relieve these industries from and thereby make them more competitive? So Trump could do things to make them more competitive. If you look at it and you say, okay, well, actually, we're not competitive in, in steel and aluminum. We just aren't. We can't be. We have a comparative advantage in other things. 
then economic theory tells you, basic economic theory tells you that you should shift to the things where you have a comparative advantage. That's what you should do. And you should put all of your effort into those things and then trade for the steel and aluminum where you don't have a comparative advantage. It's very, very basic economic theory. But what he's saying is, okay, there's unfair trade policies in the world. Somehow, you know, China, and, and let's just say, okay, China has been doing unjust things, maybe even violating the rights of its own citizens in instituting policies that Trump is calling unfair. Suppose they are actually unjust trade policies that they have instituted. If we are getting cheaper goods as a result of those, the answer is not, oh, well, let's go ahead again and you know slap ourselves. So that's the basic economics of the thing. That is the basic economics of the thing. And since I've laid that part out, I'm going to go ahead and start taking the calls that I've got over here. Again, the number at Blog Talk, if you want to call in, is 760-888-5817. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Uh, hi, Amy. This is uh, Brian calling. Hi, Brian. Have you called before? I've called, but not for quite a while, but I do, do listen to your show when I can. Okay, excellent. Well, thanks for calling. And are you commenting on Trump's trade policy here? Trade policy here, yeah. I'm going to be all contraire and take the, take the opposing viewpoint. Um, Go for it. Go for I mean, it. I've, I, I've read a lot about trade. You know, uh, For example, Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations, which everybody cites as the Bible on free trade, and even Adam Smith gives us free trade exceptions. You know, if you're trying to, uh, if you use, he says that it might be, you know, necessary to use protectionism if you're trying to break open a foreign market. You know, protect an emerging an emerging infant industry. Uh, if you're trying to protect an industry that's been critically wounded by imports, or if you're trying to um, protect an industry critical to the national defense, and we talk about comparative advantage. Comparative advantage is not. Okay. Okay. So wait, wait, we, we should, pump. we yeah, should, we should, wait, wait, go wait, ahead. Brian, 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 we should yeah, break each it. of those down. Hello. Hello. I'm so here. We should. Okay. Yeah. We should look at each of those exceptions separately. Sure. There's, there's one yeah. of them in the end, when you talk about national defense that mm-hmm. we might have something to say about, but let's talk about the others. So again, the first one was what? Breaking up in foreign markets. Breaking, op- breaking open foreign markets. So the idea is we want to break into a foreign market, and your position is – For exports. For, for exports, sure. And so your position yeah, yeah. is mm-hmm. that our government should initiate force against American importers, extract yeah. money from yeah. them in order to break open foreign markets? You had to have reciprocity because if there's no reciprocity, trade's not free. The reality is the rest of the world doesn't practice free trade. Um, so there's no comparative advantage. It's not a question of like – now, you would have an argument with what you're saying with sugar cane because there actually is with the climate and environment in a country Okay, like okay, but, 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 but look, yeah, look, look. Sure. Okay, yeah. we, are, we are United States of America. We have a vast, right. diversely geographic geography right. with – Right. every natural resource in the world, right? And right. if we didn't trade with anybody, we could be okay, right? So, you know, the, this whole idea of a so-called trade deficit is not a problem at all. It's not a single bit of we a problem. We disagree on that. 
Okay, well, let me let me tell you what the problem is. And, and this, because I was thinking about this earlier, and I was thinking, okay, why do people think that trade deficit is such a problem? There is a problem if you are consuming more than you produce, right? There's Correct. a problem. Yeah, yeah. However, the fact that you somehow produce value entirely within your own country and then you don't end up trading with anybody else, as long as you're still producing more than you consume, you're okay. But a, tra a trade deficit, I guess, smacks to some people as if we're not producing more than we consume, but we are. You know, I mean, well, I hope we are. I you know, we'll have to go back and look. But do you see how it's a separate issue, right? Well, you don't, I guess what the, is the, the, yeah. the trade. All, all I'm saying, all I'm saying is the trade deficit yeah. says nothing necessarily about the only real issue of concern, which is whether you're producing more than you consume. I think it's a larger issue. That see, philosophically, the way I would describe free trade is, let's say, you know, I sell you a I sell a motorcycle to Japan as is. You know, mm -hmm. and in return, Japan sells me, you know, let's say a ton of metric steel as is. But it's not free trade if, say, you know, I try to sell my motorcycle in, in Japan, and to this day there's a 50% tariff. And Japan, the way Japan is able to compete and sell aluminum into the United States is if it's massively subsidized through export subsidies and all the rest. So, like, free trade, it's, it's not free. And, and, and my definition of it and how I view it, it's not free if it doesn't go both ways. And I think we were okay, but, trade, but, but okay. But here, here's yeah, the thing. Ahead. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Suppose that other countries, they are, I mean, what they're doing, they're choosing to initiate force against their citizens to make the things that their citizens would like to import from us more expensive. That's what they're choosing to do. Right. Correct. So and it puts our if, industries out of business. Okay. So it'll put certain industries out of business. And what is the thing that we should do, economically speaking, in order to make our condition better, is we should shift people from those industries that get put out of business and put them into other industries. Because all we do, I mean, here's the thing, you know, he slapped the tariff on it, yeah. right? Right. And right. That, that makes things for us more expensive. It makes us unable to spend that wealth spend our hours in life that we, you know, spend our time producing value. All of that is going, I don't know where, where's it going? Okay, but see, here's what, the thing. What, With the way trade is now what's putting it, what's money. What's he going to spend the money on? Inflation-adjusted wages haven't gone up in 20 years. Our inflation-adjusted wages have declined because we've lost so much industry. I can point to, like, where my parents grew up. In, in uh, up, upstate Pennsylvania, yeah, do they have cheaper imports at Walmart? Sure. But you know what you have now? You have a lot, a lot of poverty that it didn't exist 50 years ago. You have a lot of meth. You have a lot of drugs. And, it, and, is, it, and is, it, is it is it is it because is it because the government keeps stringing certain industries along and making them think no. that they're going to be, quote, protected? And instead, they die on a vine. Well, but I mean, we they, there are certain. I mean, horse and buggy industry is gone, you know, in our country. That's a, that's just, not, but that's a different argument. That's not creative destruction. Creative destruction is the horse and buggy to the car. It means better technology comes along. Creative destruction is not, you know, creative have, destruction. Um, creative destruction. Creative destruction is also finding cheaper sources for things. No, that's something different. Creative destruction is better technology. Creative destruction is not 
an industry closes up because you're, you lose out to a company, to a country that subsidizes cheap labor. That's something different altogether. If another country is subsidizing a product, and you lose because of that, that's a different issue. Creative destruction is just better technology comes along. So, like, if we go – if we went from a car to something else – I mean, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, suppose, suppose I'm a rational company. I'm a CEO of a – you know, a, a rational CEO of a company here in the United States. Right. And I have a raw material like steel that I need for my production of my output, right, whatever right. product it is, right. my widgets. And – I am looking at the prices of steel here in the United States, and then I'm looking at the prices of steel for imported steel, and the imported steel price is a whole lot better. But suppose I know what you're telling me is that some of these instances where the import is a lot cheaper are because of government subsidies overseas, right? Pretty much all of them, yes. Okay, well, if that's true, Right. If that's actually true, then as a rational CEO, am I going to put all my eggs in one basket and count on that continued stream of cheap steel from overseas, knowing that it depends on a government continuing to subsidize? You are because that's the way it's been for 30, 40 years because you got 30, 40 years of history to back it up. There's nothing that suggests that whether it's Japan or Europe or China that those subsidies are going to end anytime soon. It's not like this is a policy that's been implemented within the past five years and they have a rich tradition of free trade. You look at China, Japan, Germany, et cetera. I mean they've always been productive okay, now, again, countries. Yeah, we, we, we get apparently most of our steel from Mexico and Canada. In your right, knowledge, you is it from there? But, you know, okay, so, suppose, suppose But there's that, a big loophole there. You know that. Okay. I will say one thing, though. But when you say that, that's they, they still may come from Canada. However, China uses a massive backdoor through NAFTA, which means it's not just that they would export a product into the United States tax-free. What they'll do to get around targeted tariffs is they'll export a product into Canada or Mexico, knowing that because of NAFTA, they can then ship the product from one of those countries and then into our country tax-free. So you're, you're basically going on the idea. Well, let, let me ask you first, we have to have a sure. basic foundational question, right? The basic foundational question is, do you believe it's wrong for government to initiate force against its citizens? Well, I, I don't define this as force against the citizens. I don't define. Okay, no, wait, 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 wait. Let's action. back up. Let's back up. Let's back up. Sure. What we're talking sure. what we're what we're talking about is we're talking about Donald Trump signing something in the next week or something that is mm-hmm. going to force everybody who imports steel to pay an extra twenty five percent. And that it's not money is going twenty five percent higher. It may be ten pro- to fifteen percent higher. It's not, it's not going to be twenty. Okay, well, whatever. Ten to fifteen percent. Ten to fifteen percent on a million dollar steel contract is a hell of a lot of money. Throw it my way on my Patreon account. I'm ready. Um, the, you're, they're they're going to steal money from American citizens. And the only way that you are going to get out of that is if you choose to purchase from the approved vendors, they are using force. They're going to use force against American citizens who wanted to import steel. Is that okay? 
It's it's absolutely necessary. Like if we didn't do import quotas oh, with the automakers, okay, okay. So, so, so you, we so wouldn't you have believe, the big three automakers. You believe you believe in you believe in certain circumstances that it is fine for government to initiate force against its citizens. Uh, uh, look, do I believe in small government and free port markets? Yeah, but not to the point of death. You know, I mean, okay, how so, far do you want so to? So where do you where do you draw the line? Well, where I draw the line is if it was something like sugar cane. Where we really, with our climate, can't make it, you know, and you really do want to go to a country like Brazil because they have a better climate for it, and there really is a comparative advantage, then I think it's foolish to have a tariff. But if it's something we can make here, then we should, because the alternative is we're, we're just not going to have a manufacturing and tech base. You know, we're going to be an agrarian third world. So country. basically, you want the government, you want the government and government bureaucrats to get into the business of deciding where we do or do not have the ability to compete or produce or have any sort of a comparative advantage. That's what you want. Well, but we already have that anyway. The difference is if, the, if, if you know, we already are having winners and losers picked and we're losing. So we have to adjust to the realities of the world. Look, if Japan, if trade with Japan or China and any of these countries really was free and it really was a two, two-way street and we sold them our stuff as is, and they sold us our stuff as is, then I would say that's free trade, and I'd be fine with it. But it's right. not free trade because when these other countries give ma- have massive subsidies, like when Apple moved their plants to China, okay, they get lower tax rates. That's fine. And that's, if it was just an issue of taxes, I would say that's our problem. But it's not that. It's that they get massive export subsidies, and China says, you make your plants here, we'll build it for you and pay for it. Well, then that's not – it's not free trade. It's massive subsidies. And if you're going to argue sure. that you get the benefit of cheaper exports, well, then that blows a hole in the idea then that government interference means higher prices because in a lot of instances it doesn't. Plus what we can offer is we can say that we believe in free trade between Texas and, and Taxatusets. So if you don't want to deal with high taxes and labor unions in, in a place like Massachusetts, you can uh, make your stuff in Texas. Look, this is what happened with Reagan and the import quotas in the 80s. It was brilliant, actually, because it didn't say that Japan or West Germany couldn't, make, couldn't sell their cars here. But what it says is you're going to have to start making your cars here. And the way West Germany and Japan got around labor unions and higher taxes and higher regulation was they started right. moving all their stuff down Okay, south. okay. But, but – you're you're basically saying that it is okay for the government to initiate force against citizens in order to achieve what you deem to be some appropriate trade balance. Why not just remove force entirely and let the market figure this out? Why not benefit there is no from free market? But no, but there there can be a free market here. Basic economic theory will tell you that if you get the cheaper goods, you import the cheaper goods, even though they're making them artificially cheap, that's not a concern of yours. It's not, you know, using up any of your resources. What will use up your resources is if you, uh, you end up slapping a tariff on your own citizens and then spending that tariff money on who knows what, some sort of inefficient government bureaucracy full of crony swamp, whatever, um, which is where it's all going to go. We, we are now going to be shooting ourselves in, in the foot to, you know. I would argue we've done that the last 30 years. And I would also argue that, you know, America went from 13 colonies, the most powerful country in the world with the high tariff wall through the 1960s. 
you know, we didn't have any manufacturing after the Revolutionary War. And somehow these horrible tariffs who were able to become the world's premier industrial power have technology that people could So you're, you're saying d- 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 despite them, despite them, again, if I – I would get, say because of if if if, if I get something if I get something that I need at a cheaper price and that enables me to spend the money that I would have spent on that tool or whatever uh, to you know on on something else then I benefit. How can you you know say that there's anything different? Now let me get on the comments here because the comments on Facebook are scrolling at a rate and. I, and I wanted I, no. There's a there's a comment that Luca made, and now because the comments on Facebook are scrolling quick, quite quickly, there's right. one I wanted right. to sure. to get to. Let me let me see what I can get here. Oh gosh, now I've lost it. Um, <laughs> no, 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 sure because I'm not the, a lot of fans, but that's fine. I'm cool with it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me no let me, no, let me get that. No, I, I got I got Luca's comment. Okay, here it is. He says uh, the fact that another government with which you're trading is not playing fair does not mean that my government should start playing unfair against its own citizens because of the other government. So he's, you know, it's another way of saying what I'm saying here. Um, if, if we went ahead and lowered all of our tariffs to zero tomorrow, that means we would be able to free up so much wealth in our country and be able to invest that wealth into all the different things where we do have a comparative advantage. And yeah, would there be, would there be shifting from one industry to another? Yeah, there would, but let's go through, cause you, you listed Adam Smith had, you said four different exceptions. Yeah, free trade exceptions. But can I comment on that comment though? Sure. Uh, because I feel that that was directed at me. Um, I mean, look, if we did that tomorrow, we we just wouldn't have any manufacturing or tech. We'd create new trillionaires. So um, George Soros would have even more money. The Koch brothers would have even more money. Um, you know, Silicon Valley and the hedge funds would have more money. And probably about 100% of economic gains would accrue to a tiny handful of oligarchs. I mean, that would happen. Uh, we'd, lose, we'd lose our automotive industry. We'd lose steel. We'd lose aluminum. We'd lose machine tools. We'd lose semiconductors. Uh, we, would, we would eventually lose everything. Um, and I would argue that the idea that the prices are going to go up, I, I disagree because what we can offer c- companies is okay, we have how, free trade how within are, 50 states. How are we going to lose? How are we going to lose everything because we're not just producing to export, right? Well, yeah, but we're going to lose everything because you're, you're going to be put in an impossible competitive disadvantage. It's not comparative advantage. This is not comparative advantage. This is absolute advantage. It's, there's nothing. It's the other countries are not succeeding because they do a better job of making something. They're doing a bit. They're succeeding because they're, they have massive subsidies and they have major differences in terms of how their economies are run and the cost of labor and environment. Comparative okay, but we're, advantage. We're, we're, okay. Best. But we're, we're going to get everything more cheaply. Again, we have a country. Yeah, everybody's going to be out of work. <laughs> But but why why is everybody going to be out of work if we reduce our tariffs coming in to zero? How, tell me how that works exactly. Because we're not going to have any manufacturing or tech job. Every single manufacturing or tech job would eventually um, would eventually be sh- either shipped overseas or every domestic manufacturer would be out of business. And not in 30, 40 years, in a pretty short amount of time. If you remove those okay, tariffs, why, why are our tech jobs not over there industry. now? What's that? Why are why are our tech jobs still here now? But a lot of jobs are overseas. Like two thirds of Apple's labor is overseas. 
very, you know, more and more of them. Right, but not, but not tech jobs, for example. So we still have Silicon uh, Valley and all the creativity and productiveness. Yeah, but a lot of the jobs have gone to India and elsewhere. I, I mean, yeah, do we have Silicon Valley? Yeah, but, but we have had a lot of tech and manufacturing jobs. I remember in the 90s when we were being told we didn't need these dirty, grimy manufacturing jobs. And the third world, you know, the, the third wave tech jobs were okay, replaced. So, so, so basically, so if, okay, so if, if we, if we put our tariffs to zero tomorrow, right, yeah. that means yeah. we can import a lot of cheap stuff and some industries in our country will go out of business and some people will be out of work and some people will have to shift to other industries. But you're yeah, saying well, that everybody is suddenly going to have to be out of work just because we reduce our tariffs to zero? we're going to lose pretty much every manufacturing and tech job. Are we going to have some okay. agriculture? Are we going to have jobs in sales? Yeah, but we're going to – purchasing power will collapse. It would be massive deflation because you're not going to have those high-paying, high-wage jobs in manufacturing and tech. I mean, they, they would eventually all disappear. And so if you so, want to have – So, you're, so, you're, so you're, country, basically, yeah. you're basically saying that if we withdraw the use of government force from our citizens – that there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of pain in the process. It, it, you'd be committing Harry Carey. You'd be, we'd be a third world country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you I don't, have I, any don't I don't see, I mean, no, how in the world are we not going to have any manufacturing or tests? Certainly you, have, at a certain point, nothing. At, a, at a certain point, I mean, if it's really cheap to import everything, okay, fine. But people here also are going to have to produce the values that sustain their, lives that is never going to stop and they're going to figure out other ways to do it if you know for example they can't trade certain things overseas or that you know their industry here in the united states has become obsolete because of importing the the answer you know you know the broader principle here right we could talk about the details of exactly how it would come out right but i agree with you that if we remove government force tomorrow from certain industries there is going to be some pain and some adjustment involved. So, for example, if we uh, freed up healthcare entirely tomorrow, right? If we got rid of, you know, for example, Medicare, and we ended up doing it privately and everything, all those bureaucrats, all those Medicare bureaucrats would be out of a job or whatever. You know, yes, would there be displacement, and would that displacement be painful for some sectors? But people here in the United States are innovative. They have the ability to work hard. They have the ability to learn and then move and shift to other industries. Wouldn't you rather have people working in industries that can be sustained when trade is free? But the problem is if if we have trade policies the way we've had them, um, then, then no industry, no critical industry worth having is going to be sustainable. Like, for example, you know, if we removed like, what you're saying, if we remove tariffs on um, everything to zero, that would like, and you take the automotive industry for example. Eventually, what would happen is um, all the cars that would be sold here would be made in uh, Germany and Japan and China. We wouldn't make any any, any automobiles, so one of our largest industries to this day would be gone. And okay, then now it, it's quite. It's no, no, but listen, listen, listen. It's yeah. uh, it's po- it's possible. I don't know. It's possible that it's we should. Well, okay, but. Whether it's going to happen, but I, what I'm saying is it's possible that maybe we shouldn't be producing automobiles. I think that's suicide. Why is that suicide? 
because it's a critical industry that provides a ton of good paying jobs and, and in, um, Okay, but we can have other industries that provide good paying jobs. Why, if if it's truly the case that we could not be competitive if we put our tariffs to zero, then maybe that industry needs to go. But but then every industry is going to go. I mean, just run down the list. I mean, we'll have plenty of bars. Well, not every industry cannot go, right? Every industry cannot go. Well, but if history taught us anything, okay, okay, let's go, let's go this. Let's let's go, go. let's go, Brian. Let's go worst case scenario. Let's go worst yeah. case scenario. Worst yeah. case scenario, we remove all the tariffs tomorrow, all right. everything down to zero, and then right. every damn industry in the whole U.S. just collapses. It's just done. But over we time. start that over. It wouldn't happen immediately, but within 10 years it would. Okay. Well, if, if it's not going to happen for 10 years, that's plenty of time to shift the resources to everything else. Why are you so pessimistic about the ability of American people to learn and to shift their talent over to industries that would still be able to compete when we reduce our tariffs to zero and get everything in here more cheaply? Just think of all the resources, all of the wealth that would be freed up if those tariffs weren't scraped off by our government and spent on Lord knows what. See, here's the thing, though. I, I have tremendous confidence in, in American ingenuity. The problem is, is making Americans compete with one arm to tie behind their back and having, you know. OK, wait, 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 back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. Two methods no, 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 sir, sir. Why? Why would Americans be having an arm tied behind their back in the scenario that I just put out where we put zero tariffs? Where's the arm tied? Well, because you could have a genius create an entire new industry. And then, you know, China is going to China or Japan or Germany or another country is going to, within a period of time, they're going to end up, you know, basically copying what you're doing. And because they can stay at the cheap labor they can use massive government subsidies. Okay, now what do you mean? You what do you what do you mean by copying what we're doing? Oh, they'll they'll, co- they'll copy the patent or come up with the cheap knockoff. Okay, okay. Or now, no, 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 listen, 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 sir, listen, listen, or I'm going to mute you. Listen, or I'm going to mute you. I'm going to go ahead and mute you right now because you've changed topics. I'm not changing topics. You are, and I'll tell you why. You are changing topics. You are talking How? now about. You are talking now about intellectual property theft, and that is a different topic, sir. But it relates to trade. It relates to what we're talking it, no, about. Okay, okay. You're Everything saying- relates to trade. Everything. But listen, if we have provable instances of intellectual property theft, then those goods should be banned. Yeah, but nothing happens. Here's, it's China's like the child that. What do you, what do you mean? Okay, curfew, no, whatever. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I, I'm telling you what should be the case. So, yeah, if, if right. there is an instance of intellectual property theft, then ban those goods. But that is a separate topic. I'm talking about no intellectual property theft. I'm talking about being able to import cheap screwdrivers to go to Wal- you know, Home Depot or Walmart or whatever and purchase these things. And then because I'm able to buy something at one-third the price or one-fifth the price that I used to be able to buy it, I have money to free up and maybe create a job for somebody. Maybe I could pay somebody to do gardening or, or whatever that I couldn't spend before because I can buy cheap things at Home Depot or Walmart. Yeah, but I'd rather have people working in an automotive plant or in semiconductors. Okay, you'd rather, you'd rather, you'd rather, you'd rather, you'd rather, you'd um, rather. 
what you are saying is that we should use government force to, you know, put some constellation of tariffs out there to create an economy full of different industries that you'd rather see. If we're going instead to be a first of, world country, of, look at how America was built. Of, instead of leaving people free to figure out what they can do and what they can make money at and what they can support their families doing. Well, but, but it's, the thing is, in a perfect world, what you're saying would be true, but you have to see the world the way it is. You can't let the perfect okay, okay. be the enemy. Okay, okay. And now, so let me, so let me tell terrorist. you, let me tell you uh, that you have to see human nature the way it is. Human nature is such that it does not operate properly under compulsion. But it worked it for America not. with tariffs. I mean, where, where are the Greek countries that were built on free trade? I don't see any. Um, from what I understand, there was a period in British history where they unilaterally dropped the tariffs to zero and thrived. Not, not when the British Empire was at its – in the late 19th century, well, they dropped Well, I'm going to I'm gonna but, have to get people. But, but anyway, the, po- the point being is this. The point being is this. Human beings do not operate. They cannot be creative and productive under compulsion. Now – it, it, right now in the United States, we could do a Mills method of difference just to, you know, illustrate this. The least regulated industry right now in the United States is tech. One of the most regulated industries is finance, banking, and everything else. Which one is thriving and booming, comparatively speaking? It's the tech industry, which is subject to the least regulations, the least government force. But in general, uh, you know, a mind is something, a human mind is something that is required for our survival and that cannot operate under compulsion. And you cannot say, you know, I don't, I don't care if you, you know, say, oh, well, there was a certain period of industry, uh, in American history where we had a lot of tariffs and somehow we did okay. That doesn't change the fact that human beings operate better when they are left free, when they are left free to choose what they are, you know, having your own interest. I mean, what if I just, what, what industry are you in, Brian? I'm self-employed. But what do you do? I work in health services. Okay. Health services. I, I, work, so, for, I work for myself. Mm-hmm. So provision of what kind of health services? Alternative health. Alternative health. So for example, what, like acupuncture or, Chiropractic or... Yeah, yeah, along those lines. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, so let's say that the government comes in and says, okay, from now on in acupuncture industry, there has to be a state licensing board and you have a whole bunch of whole new exams that you have to take every month, or not every month, but, you know, every few years you have to take exams with continuing education. And, of course, you know, initially you have to take a huge exam in order to get certified, kind of like the bar exam for attorneys. And you have to have a licensing fee, and then there's an ethics board, and, you know, all these things that are come down on your industry. And there's going to be a bunch of rules of ethics about how you can conduct your business and the types of conversations that you have with your clients. You get, you see where I'm going with this, right? I, I do. I would give you a different example, and of course, I, I would say yeah, no, 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 so, no, no, because yeah, what, what I'm saying yeah. is I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to get you yeah. to introspect. I'm trying to get you to introspect this for a minute, which is 
if you are subjected to force from the government, what does that do to your ability to perform your job? Oh, it affects me greatly with costs. But but here's an example I would give you because it's and and similarly, 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 right? If we go to one of these companies that's currently importing steel, say, um, and we tell you that option for you to import steel at that price that you thought you were going to be able to for the next five years, you can no longer do it. Then suddenly, that company's plans to build a new factory over here or to expand and start, you know, launch a new product line over here or whatever else they were going to do with those resources, gone. Just gone. Okay, but let me argue. So, so that, that's a fair point to make. But let me offer my point, which is to help explain why I feel the way I do. And you can agree or disagree, and that's fine. But um, I live across the street from Merck, basically. It's basically a stone's throw. I, I have mm-hmm. a lot of clients that work at Merck. If Merck closed up their production and moved to China and moved their headquarters to China, mm-hmm. I mean, most of my clients would be gone. My local, the local economy, which has been booming even through the Great Recession, it would collapse. You know, yeah, and and most likely, and and mo- but most likely because of the resources that are freed up, something else would take its place. And what Merck has a big building, and that would go for sale, and somebody would come in and buy it, and then there'd be a whole bunch of new employees for you. So there might be a period of transition that could be quite painful in certain areas. I'm not saying that there well, wouldn't. There might not. Or, yeah, but, or there may not. But, 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 but what I'm saying, no, but what I'm saying, let, let's, Brian, gone. you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually have to cut this off for you because we've been talking for quite a while. But what I'm going to ask you to think about is, you know, the scenario that I drew for you about the government clamping down on your particular industry and making it impossible for you to conduct your business in the way that you ideally envision because of various regulations and constraints that the government is putting on you at its government force. And what you're proposing to do is the same exact thing for other industries because of whatever your ideal scenario is. And I'm saying human beings don't operate. They can't produce. They can't use their mind to produce the values that sustain life when force comes in and it's wrong to use that force. It's a wrong to initiate force against a human being. It doesn't matter whether it's to combat irrational or immoral unjust trade policies from China or not. It's still Donald Trump proposing, you know, to initiate force against our citizens in a certain industry. It's just a tariff. It's just money. It doesn't sound like anything, but it is the same exact thing when you start to think about, what those companies might have been planning to do with the resources that they had on hand and that they'll now have to divert to spend an extra 25% or 10% or 15%, whatever it turns out to be on, on steel. And and that's just immoral. So um, anyway, you know, I, I, th- I thank you for challenging me on it, but the, it, it's that fundamental. You see why it's that fundamental. That's the most important issue. We just have a strong disagreement, and that's you know good people of goodwill can disagree. Um, but I, but again, I just uh, the, the, my closing statement before you let me go, and I do appreciate you being generous with your time, especially with the differing viewpoint. Um, I, I truly appreciate that, especially in today's world. Um, but 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 I would argue that I, I feel that it's just it's you know there's the world the way you want it to be ideally, and there's the way the world is, and in the classroom and academically. 
free trade's a no-brainer. But in the real world, it's rarely ever practiced. And so I, I feel that you have to adjust to okay, the real no, world but, the way it is. Okay. But what I'm saying is that in the real world, if other people are not practicing free trade, the answer right. is not to add more. And what I've, I'm going to end up going into next is, this. Are, are, how, how about this issue, Brian? Are you for affirmative action? No. You're not for affirmative action. So maybe we should con- no. continue the discussion. How is affirmative action different from what I'm talking about here with this trade policy of Trump, in your view? Well, well and, and first off, for example, China's not practicing affirmative action. Uh, you know, Germany or Japan or the European Union aren't practicing affirmative action. Canada, the Canada. Okay, no, no, no. But what I'm saying, what, yeah. what I'm saying is, is Trump yeah. is proposing to use affirmative action to so-called protect the steel and aluminum industries, right? No, I, I, w- I would use a different term. That's, that's okay. That's why are why are you that, why yeah. are you against affirmative action? Why are you against affirmative action? Well, be, because it doesn't judge people based on their abilities. It judges people based on – it gives people preferential uh, treatment based maybe on their ethnicity or their religion or, or whatever whatever it might be. So why would you want to give people preferential treatment based on the industry that they work in? Uh, uh, so my answer would be that it's, it's – I want – you know, this is America – um, and I want, you know, preferential treatment to be given to, you know, American industry and American workers. If this was China, okay, but what, I, what, what, what I'm saying is, what, what, okay, so why would you want to give preferential treatment to American workers in certain industries over American consumers of cheap goods? Well, why preferential treatment of one over the other? Right, right. Because if we don't uh, give give pre- preferential treatment to American workers. American workers are going to have a lot less disposable income to consume, and their wages are going to collapse. And so, and then the okay, no, the, no, but the, this this is this is again, you're assuming that this is going to be some long-standing period of suffering. We've talked before about there's going to be some, you know, displacement. Well, and, but I would and, differ on that. But I would differ on that based on experience. So, I mean, not, not, not fanciful stuff I've read in the book, but um, you go to these so, places so, like so, 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 the, so the idea so – the Yeah, go ahead. But, okay, but, but affirmative action you are against, and, right. and you think it would be wrong to use government force to tell a certain company that they should hire a certain percentage of, of blacks or whatever, and it's simply because of the racist – Issue. It's the race issue that makes you against affirmative action because you say, okay, well, it's judging people based on race, not on merit. Well, here in this case, you're judging industries based on whether certain industries are located in America versus elsewhere. Well, and because you're either going to give them preferential treatment based on being here or, or what you're in essence going to say is you're going to get preferential treatment if you're based in China. So it's going to be either one or the other. And if I have to pick, I'd well, no, I mean, we're, we're not necessarily going to import everything from China. We're, again, steel is coming primarily, I guess, from Mexico and Canada. Right. Okay. So let me modify. So then we're either going to give people preferential treatment for making their stuff here, or they're going to get preferential treatment for making it in other countries. But going to be one and or why? Another. Way, why? Why? Why should we give? Why should we give preferential treatment for 
people making stuff here in the United States versus importing it? Why does it matter whether it's because made here America. versus over? But, but, but how is that an argument? How is it an argument? Because, because we're not going to have a middle class and because I can also argue the tariffs that work. No, we, we can have a middle class. The middle class can just be in other industries. We can have a middle class. It's just all of the resources are going to have to shift. What I'm saying is the government deciding to favor, so-called favor, initiate force in order to give a temporary advantage to steel, aluminum, whatever industries they think have been hardest hit by this so-called trade deficit, that that's indistinguishable from affirmative action. That's That's not any different. And you say, okay, well, it's not as bad because it's not based on race. But if it is based on this sort of, well, this is just America and it's nationalism and we feel like we should have steel yeah. here, it's, it's, it's arbitrary. America. It's arbitrary. It's irrational. It, but, it's, but it's America. I mean, whatever country you're from, you would hope that you, you want to give the home field advantage to your own country. The alternative is, is that then the other countries... Are okay, okay, but, but, but so yeah. I would, gonna, I would... Somebody's going to have would, an advantage okay, one way or another. I would... Other. I would Brian, okay, I'm I'm going to have to let you go. Um, I would definitely like people in our country to have the advantage, but I happen to know that the advantage comes from leaving people free. The advantage comes okay. from leaving people free to be productive the best they can in their own best judgment without some government bureaucrat over them telling them that they may or may not allocate the resources available to them in a certain way that, you know, the government sitting there with a gun saying, Oh, you thought you were getting steel cheaper and that you were going to be able to do all these other things with your money, but instead we're going to charge you an extra 25%. We're going to put it in our coffers and do whatever with it. I want to give our people the advantage and the advantage comes from being free. It doesn't come from a government gun. Well, well, but then, but then, if we don't do that, then then you're going to be giving China the advantage, and you now you're basically no, 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 no. You don't understand. You are. China. I'm. We. It are. It is not our place to give or not give China an advantage. China is shooting itself in the foot right now. If China wants to shoot itself in the foot and initiate force against its citizens, so for example, in the case of a subsidy, if they want to steal from some citizens in order to subsidize a certain industry. They're doing that. We're not doing that. I, I beg we're not, to we're not, we're not giving it clients. to them one way or the other. They're, yeah, we're, but I, we're I would getting, strongly we're beg to differ on that because I, I have clients that have factories in China, and they will tell you that China is much better off than it was 20, 30 years ago. They would not say China with their trade policy shooting itself in the foot. They would say I wouldn't China want to go to China. The, the guy's just getting rid of term limits right now, but yeah. I, I, and I agree, but I'm saying I'd rather be in, if I had to live in China, I'd rather live in China now than 30 years ago. I mean, people will tell you that you know for all the problems they have, and we probably yeah, agree on 99. Anyway, of my my, my rather, point is yeah. my point is human thriving comes with freedom, and so the answer to whatever economic woes might happen because of a lack of freedom somewhere else in the world, the answer is not to create more woes here by a government turning a, a gun on its citizens, which is, which is what Trump is proposing to do next week. Brian, I'm going to have to let you go now. I've got two other callers that I want to go ahead and, and get to, and I've only got a half hour left to this show. Hi, you're on the air. Who's this? Hello. Hi. Hi. Uh, one sec. I, uh, 
misplaced. I know you're on hold for a very here. long time. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, one second here. Just pulling it up. Sorry about that. That was a, an interesting conversation you were having there. Well, I think probably. Okay, yeah, I just want to say I have a few I can suck my own cock. Oh, great. Awesome. That's beautiful. He waited all that time just to say that. That was great. Hi, you're on the air. I hope you have something better to say than that last caller. Hey, Amy, it's Matt. Hello, Matt. How are you? I'm good. Hey, uh, you know, I, I just kept going back to the same old thought about that last guy, how he's uh, stuck in the perceptual level of mentality. So how so? What do you mean? It uh, Going too many steps out was just too much for him. You know, he can understand that uh, uh, the big picture is China's taking our jobs, but when it comes down to it that uh, you have to think, you have to consider that uh, jobs are a fluid uh, substance, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and that uh, you can have jobs in one place that uh, depend on jobs in the other. And, of course, that's one of the things people bring up a lot is trade jobs uh, in in the business of exporting and importing. But, of course, that will get lost. I had a conversation one time with a guy who was an editor of a machine design magazine, and he noted that exactly what this guy did, that uh, when we had these protectionist trade policies, our economy grew uh, so much, and I I forget, 60% or 260%, whatever it was. And I pointed out to him that, you know, you're you're relying on this one thing, and uh, think of all the different possibilities. I mean, we, our population tripled or quadrupled in that time too and so then Mm -hmm. he comes back and says oh well that uh you know our our population tripling only made a 10 percent difference well you know and uh you know i can find five other things that make another 10 percent difference on top of each other and pretty soon that goes away but again it goes i mean i really really the thing to think about the really the thing to think about is Suddenly, Trump is going to come in. Well, forget the suddenly part. It doesn't matter. You know, he could announce it way in advance. It doesn't matter. He's going to make something cost 25% more, 15% more, 10% more to an industry. And that will make fewer resources available for that industry to invest in other things. I mean, it's very, very simple. And I think Brian was understanding when I was laying out for him, you know, what it would mean for government to come into his industry of alternative health care, whichever kind he provides, uh, and make that analogy to the same sort of considerations that would be at play for a CEO of a company that produces products that require steel as an input. You know, if they're thinking of investing money in a new product line or if they're thinking of maybe starting a new factory for an existing product line and creating more jobs and more wealth, they can't do that anymore. Um, and who knows where that money's going to go, right? The government's just going to skim it off and, and what? It's going to go in the wall or something. And that wall is going to be <laughs> worthless. It's not going to create value for us. It's not going to make us more productive as far as I know. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm 100% with you there. It's a, it's a black hole and uh, isn't going to get any better. The uh, Another thing I was going to say to you, too, is uh, um, I'm really familiar with people in farm subsidies. Mm-hmm. And you, you talk to farmers, and the, the 
if you really want to be called a lot of names in a hurry, just point out that uh, farm subsidies are welfare, and they just right. hate that. Right. And, in fact, uh, you mentioned sugar, too, and, you, you know, it's funny you talked about sugar cane, but I would bet that at least as much, if not more, is produced out in Nebraska, Wyoming, and Colorado. Uh, sugar beets are big out there. Okay. And I, it, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't know. You know. But I mean, again, what is the answer to this? The suppose right now <laughs> we've got a number of industries that are depending on various types of initiation of force in order to survive. The answer is strip all of that away. Now, if Brian and I hadn't got caught in the weeds so much, I wanted to go through his various examples because one of the questions that I wanted to talk about here, I mean, I, I think I think I've fairly well established the analogy between affirmative action and the trade policy that, that Trump is proposing here, you know, these, these tariffs, right? Because what he's doing is he's saying, I'm going to initiate force in order to favor certain industries that have been, quote, decimated. And one of the ways that somebody put it on Twitter is he said, let me actually, let me go to the, there was a, a tweet that I got in response. And the guy says, you know, no, it's not affirmative action. It's punishment for free trade violations. That's the way that this guy puts it. And, you know, again, what are free trade violations? Free trade violations are another country choosing to initiate force against their own citizens in order to achieve a so-called trade advantage over us. It's not like there's something that we're doing, you know, again, but, you know, suppose you say, okay, well, they have done something bad, and they have. They're doing something bad. They're initiating force against their own citizens, and they're artificially propping up a certain industry in order to, quote, compete with one of ours. Suppose that's what they're doing. Um, then that's what we're doing. We're doing affirmative action. We're saying, okay, what we'll do is we'll punish the people who wanted to import from over there, and we'll make them pay a bunch more money. Then that's going to be our answer to this. And I say, yeah, it, it's exactly analogous to affirmative action. Each of these things, affirmative action on the one hand that requires hiring on the basis of race to make up for slavery and discrimination, right? That's what affirmative action does. Um, or it could be affirmative action with respect to sex. And so women have been discriminated against. And so, boy, we'll make up for that by requiring employers to discriminate in favor of women on the basis of sex. Again, initiating force, right, in order to, quote, make up for this. And that's what the trade policy is be. You know, he's somehow going to make up for China initiating force against its citizens and creating this so-called imbalance. He's going to make up for that by initiating force against us, right? That that's the analogy. Um, but then the question was, right? He's he's bringing in this terminology of trade being quote fair or smart. What did you think of that, Matt? <laughs> That I think you said it earlier. It's it's just silly. And Trump is really good about coming up with uh, certain phrases that he doesn't mean and has no good conception of, but they sound great to an audience. Like Kefefe? Drain the Swamp was... Sorry. I'm sorry? Kefefe? Oh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> I was thinking more Drain the Swamp. Grab it, grabbing my cup of Kefefe right here as we speak. <laughs> 
Yeah, his, his drain the swamp one was the one that tickled me the most because he had no intention of ever draining the swamp. Yeah. But the base. Well, imagine was, imagine the swamp. Imagine the swamp that's going to develop around how to calibrate these tariffs that he's envisioning. <laughs> favor this industry and the end, you know, who has the pull and right. Yeah. It's rife. Um, My, but let me ask you this yeah. question. Can, can you, you know, cause I think this is a question that does need to be answered. Can you envision certain scenarios in which something other than free trade is required in order for trade to be smart and or fair? Uh, only, only if I'm a crony, um, you know, it's going to be smart to benefit myself, I guess, if you want to put it that way. But other than that, it's <laughs> totally false. What, I, what I'm thinking of is a situation that would involve national security in some way. You see what I mean? That, you know, that's, that's an old argument, too, that we're going to lose. And, in fact, your last caller brought that up, too, was uh, the fact that uh, – we could damage ourselves militarily by not having the military uh, equipment base, and Europe's been doing that forever. Um, you, you think into uh, the big heavy industries making aircraft, tanks, whatever, and so they've always taken the, the thought that even though you could buy it cheaper someplace else, uh, we're still going to make our own. Um, a great example uh, quite a while ago, 40 years ago or so, was the F-16. And right. the F-16 was a fighter that uh, blew away everything else in the world. And we sold a whole lot of these to a whole lot of countries, uh, unfortunately probably with tax subsidies on it. But uh, there were still a whole lot of countries that wanted to make their own. And so you had all these inferior products out there that uh, – can't match the F-16, and I'm sure they cost a whole heck of a lot more. Uh, sure. So, so the, yeah, so the kind of thing I was envisioning was, suppose you say, well, I'm, you know, and for freedom, purposes of, of freedom, leaving trade free, we want to allow people to import steel, say, from overseas. But suppose you thought there's a certain amount of steel production that we have to maintain in our country just to have, you know, say, military readiness at any time, then that would be an issue of national security. And then you'd say, okay, we need people to donate funds because, you know, suppose if you left everything free, we wouldn't produce any steel at all in the United States. I doubt it. But suppose that was the case. If it was the case and there was a certain minimum that we had to keep online for some reason at all times, then that's national security. And we need to have that come out of funds and earmarked and everything else. But otherwise, I don't see another scenario where you say for trade to be fair and or smart, it has to be anything other than completely free. Well, I'd even go back to the steel. It's uh, it, the, the whole premise is that you have to have such a capital investment to get a plant started. Right. Um, but then again, if it is wartime, you're going to waive all the, the, the pain and agony of uh, – uh, environmental impact statements and everything else to get this going if you really had to. And steel is a worse joke because Well, no, again, uh, and that, that, that's the first Nucor. answer, right? You know, that's the first answer is if yeah. he wants to make these industries more competitive, get all of those regulations off their back. 
well, hopefully he'll do some more of that. He has done a little, and that's right. the only heartening thing about his presidency so far. Um, yeah, but exactly. Again, anything you know, else? Anything else, Matt? Before I let you go. Great job. Sorry. No, no, but thanks for having me. Okay, no, and thanks, thanks again for calling in. I'm looking at my time is going away, and then I wanted to get over to other things in the program notes. Let me see if there's something else that I hadn't responded to. So, you know, really, this, this is the, the thing that I'm asking people to consider. I'm saying, okay, if you think that you are for these tariffs, how are they any different than affirmative action? And were you for affirmative action policies? I would say most people on the conservative side of the aisle would say, no, I was not ever for affirmative action. And indeed, that is what Trump is proposing. He is proposing that we protect certain industries because of whatever damage they've suffered from unjust and unfair trade practices overseas. And I'm saying, no, the answer to this is not to do another wrong, to initiate force against our own citizens, to skim wealth off the top of people who are importing things. Uh, the answer is to leave things more free and let people here thrive. And will that result in some um, adjustments within the economy? People have to move from one sector to, sector to another? Perhaps. It actually might. But um, otherwise, I say that if you're going to have fair and smart trade, if there's any rational meaning to the term fair and smart, fair and smart trade means leaving the human mind free. And that means leaving the human mind free to decide how to spend the resources that they produce. So a CEO of a company that you know, is in the United States is currently importing one of these raw materials or anything else that's going to have a tariff slapped on it, that CEO has certain plans in mind about how to use the resources that they have at their disposal, you know, disposal to, um, you know, to expand their business, to make their business more competitive, to maybe, like I said, expand into a new product area, maybe build an additional factory and create more jobs. That's all gone because of what Trump is doing. I don't see how that is, again, any different from affirmative action. Affirmative action tells an employer or a school, you have to hire or admit this person, whether or not you would have chosen to, that you, you know, whether you thought that was the best person for you to hire or not, based on some irrelevant characteristic. And here, some people, I guess they hide behind the fact that the irrelevant characteristic is whether or not we have a certain industry producing at a certain level in America because it suits whatever constellation of industry they think is in the ideal American economy. Um, let me go over to the comments. I never did get a chat room over at Blog Talk Radio to open, unfortunately. I don't know why that's not working. Like I said, Zoom wasn't working today. Jay says, what's the point of being our own country if we just copy the admittedly horrible practices of other countries? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, how are we United States if we are doing this, if we're acting just like everybody else? What's, you know, what's the benefit of being here? Trump is making it so that being here doesn't seem to be that much of an advantage over being other places in the world. He's getting it to a point where it seems kind of scary. 
let me go to a couple other topics because I've got about 15 minutes left in my typical showtime. That's when blog talk is going to cut me off anyway. And like I said, if you want to go to the program notes, all the things that I've got laid out here, I've got all the discussion that I've gone through on Twitter about this issue at don'tletitgo.com. Um, oh, one thing that I wanted to say sort of, you know, there's two levels at which he was talking about this issue. At first, he was talking specifically about certain industries. He was talking about steel and aluminum. And then this morning, the last tweet that he had on this issue, the last one that I looked at, was one that talked about retributive tariff policies more broadly. And here's what he said. He said, when a country taxes our products coming in at, say, 50%, and we tax the same product coming into our country at zero, not fair or smart, we will soon be starting reciprocal taxes so that we will charge the same thing as they charge us. 800 billion trade deficit have no choice. So again, where is this tax going, right? 50%, that's huge. We're gonna skim it off. And what crony collaboration of people is going to decide how to spend this money that's being stolen from people who are importing stuff in our country. Yeah, that's his last tweet on the issue. The other one is about Billy Graham, which I'd rather not talk about again. Um, so, you know, when would anything but free trade be fair or smart? I would say only when it involves issues of foreign policy. You could say that in certain instances, maybe you wouldn't want to trade with China, at least in certain industries, right? There's been talk about mistreatment of workers in China, but that would be an ethical issue to be decided at the level of, um, you know, individuals. They say, okay, well, I want to boycott Nike, for example. Suppose you want to do that because you think that Chinese workers are being mistreated. Now you're wrong. By the way, let me tell you, you're wrong, right? Because the only reason that people are taking jobs in these factories is because they see that their life is better off when they're able to earn the money that Nike's offering them versus not. Your own's been great on economic issues like that, so you're wrong. But again, that's an issue to be decided at the individual level. If you decide that China is actually committing some sort of rights violation or poses a threat to us as a country. If you're talking about intellectual property rights violation, you're banning the goods. You're not bringing them in at all. Uh, if you're talking about China being a threat such that we shouldn't trade with them anymore, then don't trade with them. But you don't say, oh, well, China is a bad rights violator, so why don't we just smack a tariff on it? That is not punishing China. That is punishing our people here. It's making us pay more for goods. And, you know, if China's choosing to, you know, treat their people badly, that is a choice that they've made. We're not going to, you know, say that, oh, well, we're doing it to them. We're not doing it to them. That is a choice that they're making. And the surest way to end that whole process where they're, you know, taxing their people and they're ruining the lives of their people is for us to remove all the constraints from the American people thrive because we will thrive if we remove all of this, you know, heavy hand of government from us. And then we serve as an example. And when their people get fed up enough, hopefully they'll revolt and then they can join us and then we can all be more productive 
that's the solution to go in the direction of more freedom. It's not to add more force, which is what Trump is proposing to do. So I think that's all that I had to say. Let me go over and see if there was a comment. Just no, Jay was the last one there over at the at the Facebook. So feel free. I am watching the comments over on Facebook. If you guys are watching live, you can add in and I'll, I'll come back to it. But the next topic that I want to talk about was um, Trump on guns this week. It's not clear where he is right now because since he was tweeting, or actually it wasn't a tweet that, that got everybody stirred up. It was what he was saying in that meeting when he was uh, meeting with legislators and he was talking about certain so-called high-risk individuals grab the guns first and due process second and, and he's coming out as if he's sympathetic for gun control and everyone is just in a tailspin. They can't figure it out. Uh, for me, I, you know, I talked about this, you know, actually Limbaugh used to annoy me when he would say, Oh, I told you so. But I did. I, I, I told people, so I didn't tell people so very confidently. Like I didn't make this one of my featured tweets to Trump, but I did tweet to Trump about this because he had this tweet and it was about a week ago and it was, complimenting the guys at the NRA and, you know, oh, they're so great and they'll do the right thing, he says in it. And it's exactly the kind of tweet where it's like, you can tell he's just preparing to spring something on them and make them give him some sort of concession towards gun control. This is what I saw in this tweet of his from a week ago. And then sure enough, you know, he's in this meeting with the lawmakers and he talks about grabbing the guns first and due process second and, you know, some gun control regulations and he's going to solve this problem and no other president has and all, all of his usual stuff. Right. So he's going to do it. And, um, you know, basically he, he has this tweet. Actually, let me, sh- let me get to the tweet that he had on it this week. So he has a meeting with them and he says, many good ideas, some good and some not so good emerged from our bipartisan meeting on school safety yesterday at the white house. Background checks, a big part of the conversation. Gun-free zones are proven targets of killers. After many years, a bill should emerge. Respect Second Amendment exclamation point. Now, when he's tweeting this, uh, we've already got on record that he's saying grab the guns first, due process second, and then respect Second Amendment. Uh, Of course, there's other amendments that you'd say he's violating with that comment, not just the second, but certainly the second so my answer was, you know, the same way you respect women. I don't know what the word respect actually means to Donald Trump. But, you know, people are coming back and they're saying, oh, look, he respects women. And he's women have thrived under the Trump administration. So, for instance, you've got Nikki Haley and other women who've been hired for important positions. And Nikki, of course, is doing well. Um, you know, what an impossible situation she's in. She's She's doing well. So... Yeah, Trump is a pragmatist, right? And he's behaving exactly like a typical pragmatist in in this scenario with respect to the gun rights, of course, also with respect to trade. When I mean a pragmatist, what I mean is in the most fundamental sense, because again, I did some research on pragmatism for my work on privacy, and I read William James, and I was trying to get, okay, you know, what is good for a pragmatist? What is the standard of good? And James has this line, he says, the good is that which satisfies demand and that the demand can be for anything under the sun 
and that if somebody is trying to do their best when they're confronted with multiple demands, the best thing that you try to do is to satisfy as many demands as possible. So what did he do with the, you know, the gun issue? And I think there's a new gun issue emerging today because there's a shooter in another state today, I think still on the loose. That was the last that I saw. He killed two people and he's still on the loose in a college. Um, it's, it's coming up again, probably. And the pressure is going to be to, to fix it somehow, right? Um, he has all these listening sessions. What do you do in a listening session? You hear demands from people. And James said, look, the good is satisfying demand. The demand can be for anything under the sun. It doesn't depend on what principles say would be good or bad. He's behaving exactly like a, a pragmatist on this issue. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, kudos to Tucker, by the way, Tucker Carlson, who usually defends Trump. He called Obama, excuse me, he called Trump out. He said, imagine if Obama had said the take guns first and due process second, that everyone would be horrified. And similarly, I think if Obama was going to institute these trade policies, people would be horrified as well. They would, they would criticize a lot more than they have. Uh, other things to think about quickly in the last few minutes before this showtime is over. I've only got about five minutes left or so. Putin. So Vladimir Putin gave a speech yesterday in Moscow. And the thing, you know, if you go through it, first of all, it's super long. And I just kind of scanned through a whole ton of it. Uh, my friend Benjamin gave me a link to the whole transcript of the whole speech. And I'm looking at this thing going, oh, my God. You know, on the one hand, he's saying he wants everybody in his country to be more productive, you know, improve GDP. And then he's got a whole list of programs of government spending and taking care of the elderly and all these other things that completely contradicts what needs to be done in order to improve GDP in any economy. What do you need to improve? you know, to do to improve productivity is leave people free. But Putin has no intention of doing that. But the thing that most people have been upset about with uh, this Putin, or, you know, they've gotten more excited about, is that Putin announced a new so-called invincible missile. And the New York Times headline that I've got to cover this is Putin's quote invincible missile is aimed at U.S. vulnerabilities. So there's certain vulnerabilities where you know he's got these missiles that are supposedly invincible aimed. As I understand it, these missiles cannot operate right now. It's all a bunch of bluster. And when I was asking, uh, you know, again my my friend Benjamin, I got him to give me the transcript, and then he I asked him. I said, well, so what do you think? Is this bluster or not? I've got this great article and let me find it I've got about five windows open right now at the same time so if you go back to the program notes there's an older story and the headline is why russia has to spend 350 million dollars fixing its broken down aircraft carrier and this just kind of gives you the story about whether or not russia's really got the capability that it's talking about or whether it's all blustered but anyway so so putin is doing this and I, I was in a conversation a little bit with, with Benjamin. It's like, well, and he, and he was talking about, you know, what Putin's real strength is. He was saying, you know, Putin's real strength is that Putin is willing to do completely horrible and unethical things. And he talked about a particular 
uh, weapon that they've been deploying in Syria that's essentially like napalm 3.0 and just horrible, um, atrocious, you know, really destructive and wicked type weapons, you know, that only the, the cruelest type mentality would use. But Putin's willing to do that. And I saw an analogy, right? Because so Putin's dangerous because he's willing to do these really disgusting, atrocious, horrible, cruel things to enemies. And, you know, that's kind of his bargaining chip that makes him dangerous. And earlier today, when I was talking about Trump's trade policies, someone comes in and says, hey, he's just, you know, using it as bluster. And I'm saying, do we really want to be in a position where our president is threatening to do something completely immoral and unjust, you know, institute, slap a 25% tariff onto an important raw material for, for production. He wants to use that as a starting point of negotiations because he's trying to strike a deal. And, and, he's, and he's done this also with the weapons, right? They say he's doing that also with respect to the NRA. He's saying, oh, yeah, grab the guns first, due process second. As a starting point in negotiations, it's completely immoral. So there is an analogy there. Maybe it's not just admiration. Maybe he's saying, look, I have to show people that I am willing to put on the table something completely immoral and cruel and anti-human even. Anyway, think about that. Um, I've got a little musical selection over at the blog at don'tletitgo.com at the end. It's nothing super arty or profound. It's just a catchy dance tune that I heard the other day. I hope you enjoy that. There's also the latest uh, rationalization for global warming from the New York Times this morning. I couldn't resist putting that there as well. You might get a good laugh. They're trying to explain away the cold in Europe right now and make it consistent with their theory of catastrophic global warming. So thanks everybody for tuning in. I'm going to go ahead and end my show over at blog talk now, and then I'll sign off from the video as well. I'll talk to you guys. What next Wednesday, 3 PM. Yeah, I'll be back to my normal time, normal time next week, Wednesday, 3 PM Eastern noon Pacific. Take care. Okay, and it's